Good morning, Sunday morning. Uh, <laughs> oh man, sorry. If you have your Bible, turn to Second Peter. If you have your Bible, turn to Second Peter. All right, Second Peter chapter three. Just a, a rehash of where we are uh, in Second Peter. Uh, just this this idea of remember, remember, and respond. Uh, remember and respond with, with holiness, godliness, spotless and blameless lives at peace. But also our life is to be on guard. We are to be prepared. There will be people who will come into the church and will twist uh, scripture. Uh, and since the people that Peter is writing to knew this, uh, they were to be on guard. Be on guard lest they were, were carried away by these people coming and, and, and twisting God's word. Lose, lose their own stability uh, from these undiscipled and unstable uh, twisters of God's word. And so we looked last time that this isn't the only time the Bible's warned us about being carried away or even told us about others who were carried away. And so we looked at other passages uh, that talk about uh, what happened when someone was carried away or how to keep from being carried away. And so we uh, looked at a few things to prevent ourselves from being carried away we saw that uh one to remember that that this can happen to anyone remember the classic even barnabas uh reminder to ourselves uh that that we can be carried away we learned the danger of fearing people more than fearing the lord uh, that we can be persuaded by the masses even when the mass is just a small group of people uh you can still if you're fearing them more than god uh, as was the case with peter uh you can find yourself being carried away uh, we saw that one way to keep from being carried away, Ephesians 4 told us, was to grow fat. Get fat in maturity. Grow in your faith that it is children. It is children who are carried away. Uh, and then we saw the need to imitate solid faith, especially uh, your shepherds. That's the role of the shepherd is to give you uh, someone to imitate, uh, someone who's supposed to teach you, but also have a life that you imitate. That's why uh, when Timothy is to appoint these pastors and Titus, it says they're to be able to teach. So that's the leading in God's word. But then also their lives are to be the ex- exemplary lives, husbands of one wife, all of these things that, that you can uh, model and, and imitate. Uh, and then it, it was funny, uh, someone mentioned to me when, when we were actually, uh, when I was coming in view of the call or whatever we call it, uh, one, uh, one of the church members actually asked, you're very young, how can you shepherd us? Uh, and he, he said it was funny. He said, you read that exact verse to us. And you told us, this is how, I, this is how a young person shepherds someone who's had different life experiences or whatever. Why? Because the word of God is true for every experience. Self-control is true, whatever you're going through. Uh, and so it was interesting that here we are now 12 or 13 or 70 years later, I don't know. Uh, and we're, we're probably still in the book that I started preaching that first week. Um, but uh, it's the same is still true. And then trust God. And that trust God is going to be important again today as well as we're going to see that all of our growth, uh, even our protection is from the Lord. And today we're going to see that our growth is from the Lord as well. Not to get you to that, to that last point right off the bat. But they're not, in 2 Timothy, they're not just supposed to be on guard, right? That's just the first command. He says that we are to be on guard so that we're not what? So that we're not carried away. So be careful, be on guard, lest you be carried away. Don't let yourselves be carried away, but also what? 
Well, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word and we'll read this passage and see what exactly we're supposed to do besides, so, so besides just sitting still and like wading yourself to the ground, what else are you supposed to be doing? Second Peter chapter three, verse 17, we'll read through verse 18. Uh, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, God, uh, Lord, we are asking for your great grace on us. We, we are coming, humbling ourselves. We are seeking your face. We are repenting of our sins, turning from our wicked ways, Father, just crying out to you uh, to heal us, to heal our land, to just do a great thing in the midst of your people as your kingdom grows. So, Father, may we honor you today. Uh, may we honor you in this place. For, Father, if you will not be honored by your people, how can we expect our nation to honor you in any significant way? Uh, So may we set the standard. Uh, May we show the glory and the joy that comes in serving you, our great God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we've seen the negative. Well, now we've got a positive. Uh, we've seen sort of like the passive idea, and now we're going to see the, the active. So the, so the negative, was what, you know, negative is what you don't do. Positive is what you are supposed to do. The, the passive is, is what you are, you know, sort of letting be done to you. Uh, and the active is what you're supposed to actively be pursuing. So last week it was don't let yourself be carried away, right? So that's what you're preventing. You are just, your job in that is to just stay, stay firm, right? Just get heavy, uh, be rooted to the spot. Well, now we see the active uh, and, it, it, and the positive, which is grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So last week, what we were, were supposed to do is don't let them carry you away. What are you supposed to be doing instead? So it's not just about what you don't let them do. What are you supposed to be doing? You grow. You grow. And that's what we get in verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So don't be carried away. Instead, what are you and I supposed to be doing? Growing. And that sounds, we, this sounds very similar. And I almost pointed out in Ephesians 4, sounds very similar to what we saw in Ephesians 4 about, you know, it is children. It is those who are not fat in their faith, who are not feasting on the word of God. Uh, it is those who are, who are the ones that are tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine. That, that, that Christian maturity, Christian growth is, is great preventative medicine. Right? It, it prevents you from being carried away. But, but we don't want just to be carried away. It's not just don't be carried away. We also, you know, it's not, just, it's not just, hey, what should you do when false teachers come? Will you just really hanker uh, or hunker down in preparation for false teachers to come? So you're just kind of like doing this. Uh, and so you've just kind of squirreled away in, in, some, in some bunker. It's not just hunker down. It's also what? Grow. Grow. You want to make sure you're not carried away by false teachers? It's not just be on the lookout for false teachers. It's also you make sure that you grow. You grow. 
You grow fat in the, in the things of God. And, and that's the, it's not just, it's, it's growing in a specific way, right? It's not just grow. He says grow in what? And he's two things, grow in grace and knowledge. Grow in the grace and knowledge, but even they are not general. And even they are specific. He doesn't just say grow, and he doesn't say just grow in grace and knowledge. He says grow in grace and knowledge of what specifically, uh, or rather of whom Grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to be protected against uh, those who twist the scripture, if you want to make sure that you are not carried away, if you, in, 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 in order for you to be on guard, keeping watch over yourself, what do you and I need to be doing? We need to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. How do you and I become stable? How do we keep from losing our stability, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If you don't want to fall prey to that sort of stuff, to people twisting God's word, that's what you do. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So how do you and I keep from being carried away? We grow. And that's important because if you're not growing as a Christian, then you're running the risk of not being prepared to stand against when this comes your way. You're not taking, you're not being on guard. The one who is, so let's think of it in military terms, right? A soldier does not just go to basic training and then go, yeah, I got it. And they're not like, wait, you went through basic, right? Yeah, okay, well then you should be good. Uh, no need to train or get any better at this. Uh, you've got it down, so just go out, uh, you know, to somewhere in Alaska and watch for the Russians. Uh, and, uh, you know, no need to do any, any military exercises or training things. Same things in sports. You know, I didn't walk up and hit my first free throw uh, after probably several attempts and then go, okay, I've got it down now. Uh, in fact, I never had it down, uh, come to find out. Uh, but you, what do you constantly do? Constantly are trying to get better in these other things in the Christian life is the same. We need to constantly be growing. But what is that growth? Growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, what does it mean to grow in grace and knowledge? Well, the first thing is that first one can kind of be a little confusing, right? When you look and you see that it says grow in grace uh, and you're reading that, you go, well, how do I grow in grace? I mean, that, that sounds pretty Catholic, right? Is this, like, is this what the Catholics go to? And they say, look, hey, this is your, this is your, your Mary verse. You know, if you're a Catholic, this is your home run verse. You know, you just got to grow, grow in grace. Just get, get more grace. Here's some nice indulgences or something for you. Uh, but if, as the Bible says, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, uh, is it saying that that grace is somehow, you know, progressive or, or that we're needing to get to a certain level of grace, a, a level that we've got to grow to? So you need to grow in, you know, God's grace that, that he has given you. Well, the Bible is clear that when talking about the grace that saves us, that that grace is always sufficient for our salvation. You don't grow, like you don't get more grace in the sense of this is this is the level you've got to get to be to be saved you got to get to this level of salvation so for example just a couple passages romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 therefore since we've been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord and savior jesus christ 
Through him we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, so our faith brings us justification and, and peace through Christ, he says. And it is through that faith that we now stand in grace. That is not a future hope, Paul is saying. That is a present truth. It is not a goal. It's a reality. We are standing in the grace that has come to us by faith. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul says basically the same thing. By grace, you have been saved. Through faith. So, so th- this grace has brought you salvation. You have been saved. There's no idea of needing to, this, this grace introduced you to salvation. And if you get more of that grace, you will eventually achieve uh, salvation. So, so when talking about uh, grace and your salvation, there's nothing lacking in grace in terms of saving us. We don't need to add to the grace that God has given us. And, and really, how would one add to grace. If it was something that you did to get it, it would no longer be grace. It would be a payment. Uh, it would not be a gift. It would be a wage. Uh, and as Romans 6, uh, 23 says, where does, uh, where does our, uh, the, the, the wages of sin, sin is the one that gives the wages. God gives the free gift of, of eternal life. But, so Peter's saying something. He's got to be saying something. We can't just look at this and say, well, he obviously doesn't mean grow in grace. He, he must have meant something else. Uh, but this actually isn't the first time that Peter has mentioned us growing in something that we normally think that you're either in or out of. So, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, we, we hit on this a little bit when we did this, but I looked and that was four years ago. Uh, so probably not, you know, probably don't remember it. Maybe, maybe you do. Check your notes. Uh, but, but 1 Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation. Same words, grow in grace, here grow in salvation. It's actually the same word, one says into, one just says grow in, it, it's really the same. Uh, so we are saved, certainly, and yet Peter, I mean, he's already talked to us about how we're saved and saints and all that, yet Peter can say, using the same words here in Second Peter, can say that we grow into salvation, that we grow in grace and, and, and previously now grow in salvation so what is he he talking about i think a a a, a verse that might be helpful is to look at second peter chapter chapter one verse two at the start of the start of the book in other words this is not a new idea and we talked about this uh back in october of last year uh but second peter chapter one verse two says may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That sounds very similar to this final verse in Second Peter, doesn't it? Uh, grow in grace and peace, or grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here at the start of Second Peter, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, so really, this idea of growing in grace, of having grace multiplied to you, of, of the knowledge of Christ, this is, this is really Peter is showing a central part of what he's trying to get across in his letter. Because he's beginning Second Peter with this idea of be multiplied, grace and peace be multiplied to you. But that is very passive, right? That's a focus on what the Lord is doing. May it be done to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. In other words, it is crying out for God to grow this grace and peace in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now we've got a very similar idea, but now it's sort of the reflex of it. But you grow 
in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Which seems interesting until you look at how the book itself is split up, right? What, how does the first part of the book begin? About all that God has done to us in his grace. How he has gifted to us all these things. And then what is the second half of the book about? How we then respond to that great grace. So it is not shocking that in in, encapsulating this idea uh, of the importance of grace and the knowledge of God, that those things would be repeated in very similar fashion. One to begin the book focusing on God's work and one to end the book focusing on our response to the word of God because the whole book has been set up that way. Either Peter is a genius and just has all this crafted in his mind or you go, man, God really knows what he's doing when he's inspiring these people. Uh, God really knows uh, how, I mean, either all of these New Testament writers, all of them, which in their lives, as we know, there's no one more knowledgeable and good with the language uh, than a fisherman from the sea. Uh, If there's anything you hear today, it's, you know what, if you want to hear some wisdom, you go down to the docks. Uh, That is a people whose words are filled with wisdom. You talk about what their words are filled with, but it's normally not wisdom uh, that you're going down there. But yet here you've got these people crafting these beautiful letters, pulling together these ideas really in a way that you could study in your literature classes or in your, if you have an English teacher, you could teach in English on, on this great sort of bookends uh, this, this, it's almost like a giant inclusio, right? Uh, this beginning and end of similar themes that show you uh, what the book is trying to, trying to teach you. So it's really, really beautiful and not really unexpected that he would begin with this, craft a letter that is sort of shaping out verse 2 of chapter 1 and then end it uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 18 here with what he's just been talking about at the end of chapter 1 through chapter 2 and on into chapter 3. So, so really, it's a, it, it actually makes a lot of sense in light of the letter. So, so what is he trying to teach us when he talks about growing in grace and knowledge? What does that mean? Well, it's the, the chief slide of our Second Peter series. And here's now you can see why it is the chief slide, uh, because I read through Second Peter before we started preaching it. So I already knew this was coming. Uh, but the chief thing you can, what is this teaching us is remember what you know. So how do you grow in grace and knowledge? Peter is going to tell us and has told us throughout his letter, it's remember what you know. These false teachers, one of their problems is they're coming in with these new ideas, new thoughts, right? And, but Peter has told them, look, you don't need me to teach you new things in order to refute these false teachers, you don't need, to, they're not coming to you and I need to come say, okay, well, they've got this here and, and I just didn't talk about this new thing yet, but let me show you that and that'll help you combat against these false teachers. He said, look, you, you know, you know the truth. What you need to do is just hold firm to what you already know. And often when it comes to false teachers, it is not that they are, that, that, that the combat against them is learning something new that you just didn't know yet. Often it's not holding firm to what you have known. I mean, that, that was the case in Peter's life, right? Peter just wasn't, what, he wasn't holding firm to the gospel. So when God, when, or when, when Peter uh, is talking about growing in gr- the grace of Christ here, What he's talking about is growing deeper and more solid in your understanding of the gospel because it is the gospel that begins our stability. Remember in 2 Peter that it is Christ who has given us our stability. 
It is Christ who has made us stable and he is the one who maintains our stability. It is Christ who is ever and always our footing. So how do you grow in the grace of Christ? You grow in your understanding of the gospel. You remember what you know and you go deeper into that. And what's interesting is, is when we're going to pull back up the passages that we've looked at for the last couple of weeks. The ones that we looked at that talked about the dangers of being carried away in almost all of them, it also talks about the importance of being rooted in the gospel. Why? Because Peter's not saying anything new. What he's saying is true for every situation. This is why Paul talked about it in Galatians, talked about it in Ephesians. He talked about, the author of Hebrews talked about it in Hebrews. Is that these, this truth of how do you keep from being carried away by false teachers? Well, you, you, you remember these things, you, you, the, these, these things that might get you carried away, and then you grow deep in your knowledge of God's word. You, you, you cement yourself in the gospel. And if you will cement yourself in your understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, these other things will not be able to pull you away. So let's look at Galatians chapter 2. In the, in the, the life of, of Peter, I, I hinted at this already, uh, but let's see what it, what it lays out for us. So verses 11 through 14 are him being carried away. Uh, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So so we saw that he was carried away because of this fear of the Jews, both he and and even Barnabas. But what else had Peter abandoned? He had become unmoored from the gospel. That's why it happened. His fear of them had allowed him to step loose to become, as as, uh, Paul says, that he had become out of step with the gospel of truth. He had separated himself, uh, not in step with the truth, of the gospel, verse 14. And so how did Paul call him back? So that's the problem. He stepped away from the gospel. His fear of them has caused him to not be walking in the light as he is in the light, as, as 1 John will call us to do, but, but instead to do what? He has stepped out of the truth of the gospel. Stepped away from what? Stepped away from the gospel. Become unmoored from the gospel. So look at what Paul tells him to do, verse 15 and 16. What does Paul do? He reminds him of what? Of the gospel and the centrality of the gospel as the importance of salvation. Not circumcision, not some other act. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, man, you didn't think about this and go deeper. Look at what he says. We ourselves, verse 15, are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. But through faith in Jesus Christ, what is he doing? He's preaching to Peter the basics of the gospel. Peter, you know we're not justified by works of the law. So why are we going back and trying to get these people and telling them they've got to do a work of the law in order to be justified? So also we've believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So Peter had fallen out of step with the reality of what? The gospel. 
he hadn't been tricked by some second or third level doctrinal point that he had just forgotten. Peter had not rooted himself in the centrality of Christ. And so he had added to the centrality of Christ the need to do this other thing. You want to get more into this, you can read the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 2, and the start of Colossians chapter 3. Uh, that's, that's the whole book of Colossians. Uh, you can read Colossians, same things going on there. People are being led astray by human tradition and thoughts. And, and, and Paul in, Gal- in Colossians is trying to teach them, look, remember the centrality of Christ. Uh, and that will keep you from being carried away by these other things. Peter had to be told the same thing. So how does, how does Paul combat Peter stepping out, becoming carried away? What does he remind Peter of? You need to grow in your understanding of the gospel. You need to be reminded, Peter, of what you already knew. Because it's not like Peter didn't know this. It's not like Peter, this, is, this is salvation here. And it's like Peter didn't know these things. He just needed to remember what he already knew. We see the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14 are the falling away. It says that he gave apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherd teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So there's the carried away. Children are carried away, right? You need to be mature. We need to grow up into this maturity. But now look at verses 15 and 16. But rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We say in immaturity... Back in those previous verses, you're carried away. Immaturity, you're tossed by the waves of of doctrine, of cunning schemes. But what is our maturity? Not a growing up into something new, but he says a growing deeper into Christ. What do we grow up? What do we grow? I mean, we don't become, you know, you don't have Christ. And then we grow up kind of next to him into this big, strong disciple. What is our growth? Our growth is into Christ. What, what, what is maturity in verse 13? What does he say? To mature manhood. What is mature manhood? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, how about verse, verse 15? We're to grow up to what? in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It is growing up into him, into where we started from. Grow up into the thing that began the whole journey. We don't become the body of Christ. We already are the body of Christ. We're just growing more and more into the fullness of that which we already are. You don't become the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. And yet we grow in maturity into the fullness of that body. See the same thing in Hebrews. And he says, this don't be carried away by these diverse and strange teachings. Remember Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 through 9. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away. 
Do not be carried away by strange or by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. So when he says, consider their life and imitate their faith, what's the very next thing he points to after that? In verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, this verse isn't meant to teach us the immutability of Christ. It's not a random theological verse thrown here into a passage about Christian maturity. You know, Paul's not like, Hey, uh, you guys, you know, or, or the author of Hebrews. Hey, remember your leaders. Oh, by the way, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and then go back to talking again about maturity. Although it does teach us the immutability of Christ. Its main point, its primary purpose is to teach us that if you don't want to be carried away, what do you do? You root yourself deeper in the gospel. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he says, look at your teachers, and they're showing you the life of Christ, they're follow, you follow them as they follow Christ, as, as, as Paul said, then what are you doing? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if your teacher is following Christ, and this other teacher is trying to tell you that Christ is different and giving you a new gospel, don't listen to them. The people who, as he said, spoke to you the word of God, that word does not change. That gospel does not change. And so if you want to grow in your maturity, what do you do? You look to them because Jesus doesn't change. They'll continue to be walking in the gospel. Instead of growing after new things, what do you do? What does he say in in verse 9 about the end of verse 9? We're to be strengthened by grace. What makes us strong as believers? What do we grow in? It's not being, not being devoted, he says, to, to food or drinks or, or new moons or Sabbaths but instead being strengthened by grace, remembering that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gospel doesn't change. You need to be rooted in the gospel. You need to remember what you know to be true. And if you look at most of the times when we sin, we sin only because we have forgotten what we know to be true about the gospel and greatness of Christ. Because if you will remember, if you'll grow deeper into your understanding of God's grace in your life, that that understanding of grace will make sin look far more putrid to you than it ever did. Perhaps this is this is most clear, Second Peter chapter one, verse two, that we looked at when he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God uh, and of Jesus our Lord, grace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and of Christ. The more we grow to learn about Christ, the more our understanding of grace grows, the more we realize just how amazing our salvation is. So if we're going to grow in grace, it happens when we grow in our knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. But we're not just supposed to remember it. Remembering it is important. Rooting yourself in the gospel is important. Make sure you don't forget these things of first importance, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's essential. You don't want to be carried away. You got to remember what you know to be true so that you don't all of a sudden think, well, maybe we do need to add circumcision. Or maybe people do need to be devoted to this type of food. Or maybe Jesus has changed. Maybe Jesus is like this now. If you remember what you know to be true, it will help you keep from being carried away. Growing in that grace, growing in that knowledge of who Christ is. We don't just need to remember we also need to apply what you know. Our knowledge, genuine knowledge, is supposed to bear fruit. 
Second Peter chapter one, verse eight, Peter's already talked about this. He says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need new knowledge. We need the knowledge we have to bear the fruit it's supposed to bear. We need it to have its effect in our life. Our problem isn't that we haven't learned some new key to Christian living. Our problem is that we've not been living what we already know. And we, in our false piety, pretend like what we really want to do is have our life changed. And so we chase after new thought, after new thought, after new thought, often to get away from the thoughts that we already know and the changes that God has already shown us that we need to make. And so we're able to forget about those. So God's already told me what type of husband I need to be, but God, I ain't doing that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a book on prayer and feel good about prayer. uh, And then I can quit feeling bad about the type of husband or the type of wife that I am. I know what type of father I'm supposed to be. I know the things I need to do as a church member, but I don't want to do those. So what do I do? I read a book on whatever. Or I'll read other passages of scripture even and use those to mask what I already know, trying to cut off the fruit of the knowledge that I have. But Peter says, if we need to be not ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge that we have. The knowledge that you have is supposed to bear fruit in your life, not just in some discussion you have with people. If we can lay out all the points of the gospel in a conversation, but we're not living those same gospel truths in our lives, there's something unfruitful about our knowledge. We are a barren fig tree. We're still a fig tree, right? But it is not bearing the fruit that the gospel is supposed to bear in us. We can all know like Peter that, yeah, of course we're not saved by works of the law. And yet by our life show that we have forgotten that. We can, we can all say, oh yeah, of course he has, he has saved me from my sin. And then as Spurgeon says, lived in a way that makes it look like you haven't been saved from anything. Because you're still living in them. We're supposed to remember the gospel of Christ and then apply it. It is supposed to be effective in our lives. It should be bearing fruit. So so as grace grows, as our knowledge grows deeper, and as our lives grow, we become more obedient. The deeper our knowledge, the more we realize just how gracious God has been. The more obedience in our life, the more amazing that grace becomes because it can so fully and completely change us. So as we learn more about God, grace grows because we go, I, when I was saved, I thought God was doing this. And now I see he's doing this, that he had done this much to me. At first, I thought he was just sort of pushing me over the threshold into salvation. And I said, yes, Lord. And he was like, welcome to the salvation thing. And now I realized that I was dead and he brought me to life. Those things change. They, they shape our understanding. And as we begin to become obedient to the things that we learn in the gospel, what does that show? It shows the power of God to change not just what we know about him, but, but to change our lives. Growing in grace and knowledge of God is, should affect the way that we live. A good picture of this fruitfulness can be seen in Proverbs 22 about taking what you know and letting it bear fruit in your life, which I think Zachary also talked about 
uh, on a Tuesday morning then, uh, probably back in sometime like October of last year, it feels like. But in Proverbs 22, what does it say? Incline your ear, this is Proverbs 22, 17, 18. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. If all of them are ready on your lips. Look at, look at how knowledge isn't supposed to be just a head issue. Is, is, is knowledge a matter of hearing things, right? And of listening to right things. Yes. You should be, you should be reading the Bible. You should be taking it out. You should be reading good books. But it's more. You should be listening to good sermons. But it's more than that too. What does he say? Apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. Literally, if, in the Hebrew, it's if you keep them in your belly. Which is what it said, because that's a great word picture. If you keep them in your belly, if all of them are ready on your lips, what is Solomon getting at? Knowledge and wisdom are something that fills you. Something that affects how you feel, something deep in you. And something that can't just stay in you, it affects your actions. In this case, it affects how you speak. The wisdom will come off your lips. We need the gospel to not just be in our heads. We don't even need it to just be in our hearts. We need to, we need to be in our bellies. It needs to be filling us down to our guts. So when Peter talks about growing in grace and in knowledge, he's not, he's not just talking about knowing more about God. He's talking about, more about knowing more about Jesus, but about growing deeper in our understanding of that gospel, putting it deeper into our lives so that it flows. Not just, it's not just into our heads. It fills our bellies, our whole bodies, and then pours out in how we live. It's a type of knowledge that affects your life. And that's what, we're, that's what we've got to get to. That's what Peter has gotten to. He began, look, this is what the gospel has done for you. And now this is how you should live. And that's what he's reminding us here as he ends, that we grow in this grace and our obedience to what we have heard. So for Peter, in, in his letter, as he's finishing up, he's going to get very clear at the end of this verse. For Peter, this is all about the gospel, the Christian life is all about the gospel. Everything you learn in the Christian life bears fruit from that gospel tree. There's no aspect of Christian knowledge, education, or life that is detached from the gospel. This is why when people say, well, I think that might be a gospel issue, I always go, wasn't everything really, I mean, a gospel issue? Didn't everything trace back to that? Uh, so, so, and it's true. Everything flows from Christ, everything flows from that central rooted tree. So the more you know about Christ, the more you will be able to look over here at this point that someone says and know whether or not that is attached to the vine or if that is a dead branch that needs to be cast into the fire. The more you are rooted in what you know and believe about Christ, the more that will prepare you for those who come to twist the scriptures because all of the scripture points to whom to him and if they bring you a scripture and they twist it and it does not point to Christ in the way that you know and if you're not familiar enough with the gospel the, the shady image right it well that does kind of what, what would Jesus do he would he would love or this or whatever and you oh, yeah, kind of maybe I'll follow that because that sounds familiar 
But if you know the gospel, if you know the ins and outs of what God has done for us in Christ, it will keep you from being carried away because you'll see that image and you'll say, you know what? That looks like him, but that's not him. That looks like him, but it's not him. It's like when you first meet somebody and you're kind of familiar with them, you see someone at the store that kind of looks like them and you're like, I'm about to ruin my friendship here. Either I'm going to not say hi to them and they're going to go, well, what a jerk. Or I'm going to say hi to some complete stranger. Uh, be like, hey, Mark, uh, good thing. I always say, just say, hey, Mark, because either they know you and they're Mark or they don't know you and <laughs> they'll never see you again. Uh, so just be like, hey, Mark, I do it all the time. Happens all the time. Uh, so, so that's the same thing with Christ. If you are familiar with Christ, if you spend time growing in the gospel, that will help you to see when things are not the Jesus. Not that I grew up believing. That's what the world says, right? That's not the Jesus that I know care about the Jesus that you know uh is that the Jesus of the word of God uh and so as you grow in your knowledge of the word you will grow in your understanding of grace in your understanding your knowledge of who he is and that will help you in protecting you against those who come and twist the image of him who come and twist the picture even if they twist it just a little bit you'll say that doesn't line up with with Christ that's not the gospel and you'll want nothing Uh, nothing to do with it for Peter it all goes back to the gospel which makes sense I mean that makes sense when you think back to what Peter has told us the Christian life is what what is it what is the Christian life remember what we talked about in first Peter the Christian life is tracing the life of Christ walking the life that he walked walking as he walked so in understanding the gospel better we grow in our understanding of one of just how amazing our salvation is which will increase our love and and reverence for God, but will also grow in knowing more of how we should live. Because we'll live like Christ did. And so he ends here where he began in 2 Peter, which is grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. That's what these people need to do. That's what they need to do in in celebrating their salvation, and that's what they need to do in protecting against those who twist, twist Scripture. Grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. And that's what we need to do. That's what the Christian life is, growing in that grace and living it out in our lives. So what do we see in these final verses? Don't be carried away. Instead, grow. Grow in your understanding of the grace of God. Grow in your knowledge of what Christ has done. If don't get carried away is, is, was the passive one. This is, this is the active. That was the negative. This is the, this is the positive. How can you and I keep from being carried away? Grow, 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 always and ever in Christ. Let's pray. This growth, like all the other, is going to come from the Lord. And so what I wanted to do as we, as we think about how all of it, you know, last week we ended it on trust and trust in the Lord. Tonight, that's what we're doing as well. We're recognizing that all growth comes ultimately from him. And so we want to end this time of worship by crying out for this growth. First Corinthians 3, 7 says, Neither he plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Colossians 2.19 says, And by holding fast to the head from which the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. In our Christian life, there is always hope and there is always humility. Hope that knows he's going to get us where we need to be. He's going to get us there. He's going to grow us. But also humility. 
that recognizes we will only get there because of him. That's what it means to be growing in grace. So Christian, may we hold fast to the head. May we hold fast to Christ. And then may we cry out to the one who ever and always grows us in the grace and knowledge of his son. Father, we come to you today. And God, we are so thankful for the grace that you have lavished upon us. The love that you have filled our lives with, that you've been so kind to us. All undeserved. And Father, as we grow to understand that grace even more. That in, it, in itself makes it seem as if the grace is becoming greater. Because our knowledge of what you have done grows. Your, your work on our behalf has not changed at all. But our understanding has grown richer as you not only just make us your child, you then grow us into maturity. And that maturity is ever and always into the image of your son. That, Father, we would walk as he walked. That, Father, we would be the body of Christ. So, Father, help us to be rooted in our understanding of the gospel. Of you and your work to save sinners despite themselves. To be gracious that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you to make us alive. How when we were dead, you raised us. And that through the perfect life and sacrifice of Christ. Our sins have been paid for. Our identity changed, our adoption complete. Now your children, now your sons and daughters. And it is through your spirit that we can now cry out, Abba, Father, when we were once enemies. And we can walk as your son walked. Not in darkness, but in the light. So, Father, help us to remember that grace. Help us grow in our understanding of it. Help us to apply it. And help us to remember that you are the one who gives us all growth. May that give us hope and may it give us humility, Father. We need you. And the good news is we've got you and you have us. So it is in Christ's name that we pray today, holding fast to our head. Amen.